0: My goal this evening is that as we examine the scriptures, we would see how much of a blessing it is to see a holy God and how undeserving and unable we are Christ on our behalf. We'll start with 5.8. This is found on page 858 if you're using our pew Bibles. And once you find it, if you are able, please stand with me for the reading of God's word. Matthew 5.8 reads... Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You may be seated. Here in this Sermon on the Mount, we see the Beatitudes, where Jesus defines blessings of eternal and infinite value and who they are for. These blessings, if we're honest with ourselves, are not usually the first things we would mention when communicating about God's blessings given towards us. If we're really honest, We're more quick to thank the Lord about wealth, cars, homes, things of that nature. We're quick to mention about safety or good relationships. While it is true that these are blessings, these aren't actually things that Jesus promises for Christians, and instead, he says that even without those things, we can still be supremely and eternally blessed. In fact, in Matthew 5, 8, he says that blessed are those who are Now, while I do not think it is lost on us that it is a blessing to see God, I do think it is easy for us to miss the gravity of this statement. This blessing is sometimes referred to as the beatific vision, meaning the sight that makes one happy. When I hear this statement, I envision a wedding day. The groom stands at the altar, anxiously awaiting his bride. Suddenly, she appears in all her beauty and splendor, in that pure white dress. As per tradition, the bride wears a veil over her face until finally the long-anticipated moment arrives. After saying their vows and exchanging rings, the groom lifts the bride's veil to finally see his bride face to face and kiss his now new wife. The sight that this groom beheld on that day was one he had anticipated the whole day. In the same way he anticipated seeing his bride's face that day, how much more so as believers should we anticipate seeing God face to face when we have not seen him our whole lives because of the impurity of our hearts? Because whereas that bride had a pure white dress, if God were to be the groom in this case and we were to be the bride, we would be appearing in front of him in tattered rags, we are not pure. See God. It is also true that the impure of heart cannot see God. Without God's intervention, we are an impure and unholy people. But God, in His love for us, has made a way to purify us so that we may see Him face to face. So this story begins in Genesis, where we see God creating all of the universe, and He begins this plan of purifying our hearts. He starts with Adam and Eve, the first man and woman. They're created with pure and innocent hearts and are able to enjoy an intimate relationship with God where they walk with him in the garden. Unfortunately, they disobey God's commands. This is called sin, and this sin taints their hearts, making them and every generation after them impure because of how pervasive it is. Consequently, they are cast out of the Garden of Eden in God's presence, and mankind is no longer able to see God to enter into his presence. The story continues to unfold in the Bible. Despite the separation due to sin, God has a plan in mind to restore this relationship. It begins with him choosing for himself a people called the Israelites. In Exodus, we see God work through Moses to lead these people out of slavery from the Egyptians and to the Promised Land. God manifests his presence, meaning he gives Israel something to see in the form of a cloud of them day by day on their journey. During this very journey, Moses declares in Exodus 33 that he desires to see God's glory. God replies that no man, not even Moses, can see the face of God and live, and that he will only show Moses his back and the fullest sense of his glory and live, so he can only reveal a lesser degree of his glory. This is because God is pure, and in him there is no sin. Another way the scriptures put it is that God is light, and in him is no darkness. God isn't like hand sanitizer that eradicates 99.9% of germs. God is 100% pure, without blemishes, without faults. He is perfect and pure. He is completely righteous, void of any guilt, the Bible sums up these characteristics of God in one word: holy. God is holy, which also means that those with impure hearts cannot enter into his presence, much less see him. Not because this would necessarily taint God, but because God's holiness would destroy us, just as hand sanitizer destroys germs except to a stronger effect. In fact, I would compare his holiness is like the burning sun. In him is light, and he gives life. But to enter into his immediate presence, because of God's holiness, we can't enter into his presence. But because of his love for the Israelites, he established a temple and a priesthood, which acted as a medium through which God would connect with them. Within the temple, God's manifest presence resided behind a veil. In the center of the temple, we see that the high priest would be the only one Able to enter into the Holy of Holies and only once a year on the Day of Atonement. This was only after he had made a sin offering, a blood sacrifice in the form of a bull, on behalf of himself due to his own impurities and sins. In fact, several high priests were killed in the presence of the Lord for not cleansing themselves properly before entering the Holy of Holies. After the high priest entered, he would then sacrifice a male goat within the holy of holies as a substitutionary atonement for all the Israelites impurities and his own. He would then take another male goat and confess over it all the sins and transgressions of the Israelite people and then send it out into the wilderness carrying their sins away. Even with all of this, all of these rituals to purify themselves as a people, it fell short. It proved ineffective in lasting any purity. In fact, on that very same day of atonement, the high priest would burn incense within the Holy of Holies, and that smoke would fill the room to actually keep him from looking upon God's presence. He was close to see him because of his impure heart. This imperfect high priest would repeat the ritual every single year with imperfect sacrifices that could not act as true substitutions, that could not actually cleanse and purify hearts in sin. It seems impossible. No one is able to do enough to see God in his glory. But God still has a plan to work in effect to purify the hearts of his people. We see this story continue in the New Testament Gospels in our Bibles. You see, several hundred years after the initial establishment of the temple, God sent his son, Jesus, to the earth. Jesus, being the second person of the triune God, veiled his glory in human flesh, being born of the Virgin Mary, Emmanuel, God with us. Since he is God, he lived a sinless life, and as a human, was tempted as we are, yet without sin. The God-man Jesus was the only man to deserve to see God and to be actually able to live in his presence. However, instead, he chose to lay down his life, dying a death on a cross. And in this act, he accomplished what the blood of bulls and goats could not the cleansing and purification of sins. His sacrifice was once and for all, at the end of the ages, to put no longer a need for sacrifices of bulls and goats. Immediately after his death, the veil separating the Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple was torn apart, granting access to the Father they had never had before three days later, God rose Jesus from the grave and Jesus ascended into the heaven to be at the right perfect high priest. And so where the blood of goats and bulls failed, Jesus succeeded as the lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. Where these imperfect high priests failed as representatives of mankind to God, Jesus succeeded as a perfect high priest, interceding for us in a way that only he can. This is good news. The blessing of the pure of heart seeing God is only made possible by the work of Jesus Christ in his death and resurrection. This blessing is for all who believe that God raised Christ Jesus from the grave and call upon Jesus as Lord. For those of you today who might not call Jesus Lord, I would urge you to put your faith in Jesus' work on the cross and to surrender to him as your Lord and Savior today. Jesus has promised that he will come back for his people like a thief in the night that no one knows the day or the hour, and that he will gather us up to be with him in heaven. While Christians look forward to this day, It is only because of our faith in Jesus Christ. And if you do not have your faith in Jesus Christ, you do not have the same hope. Instead, you will be on the receiving end of God's wrath and just uh, judgment on sinners and the cleansing and purifying of sins in the sense of obliteration, really, and separation from Him. If you would like to talk more about salvation through Jesus, Feel free to grab any member after the service. We would be happy to talk to you about it. Christian, because of Jesus' work, God adopts you into his family as sons and daughters. He breathes his Holy Spirit into you so that now our bodies are the temples. There is no physical dwelling place of his presence now. In 1 Peter 2, we are called his royal priesthood, having access to the Father in ways the Israelites never had. In Hebrews 10, we are encouraged to draw near to God now that we have been given new hearts, sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. What these scriptures are speaking of is our justification in Christ or our positional purity in Him. Nothing can take away our salvation in Christ. This justification before God, purchased by Jesus' blood, is what saves us from God's wrath and judgment on our sin. Unfortunately, though, We are not free from the presence of sin. We will still face temptations and fall into sin. Because of this reality, we actually cannot. We are free from the power of sin. Once, we were slaves to our flesh, slaves to sin, unable to choose to worship God and unable to choose righteousness. In Christ, God gives us new hearts with which we pursue righteousness, with which we pursue Christ-likeness, additional purity in Christ, God is also sanctifying or working a practical purity in our hearts to be more like Christ. God was not satisfied with just declaring us innocent, but actually making us innocent and pure. This positional purity speaks more into how we are legally pure in God's court, but not practically pure in our hearts yet. There is a spiritual war that wages within us. Our flesh desires self-gratification, sexual immorality, impurity, and jealousy, as Paul lists in Galatians 5. Though sanctification is a work only made possible by God, we are encouraged to keep in step with the Spirit or to not stifle the Spirit, as Paul states, that we work in tandem with God to pursue holiness. In actively pursuing holiness and purity, we do this because God has called us to be holy as he is holy, knowing that we have been ransomed from our former feudal ways to his glorious, good, and righteous way. Christ, Dear brother and sister, for us to live our lives in sin, but to walk in righteousness and holiness. As we grow to be more like Jesus day by day in our purity, we deepen our relationship with him and enjoy more of him. For only the pure in heart will see God. And in a sense, even though we cannot actually see God face to face today, I can guarantee you that if you are not pursuing holiness, if you are not pursuing righteousness, then you are seeing less of God day by day. That you are not able to enjoy an intimate relationship with Him. That we are only able to enjoy an intimate relationship with Him if we are pursuing holiness and Christ-likeness. As the author of Hebrews says, without holiness, no one shall see the Lord. Beloved, so let us not feed the flesh. Instead of spiritual passivity and laziness, let us be disciplined in our prayer and study of God's word. Instead of beholding TV and lustful images, let us behold the glory of the Lord as revealed in his word. Instead of being filled with anger and envy of other church members, let us love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Instead of living in fear of persecution, let us have compassion on those who don't call Jesus Lord and share the gospel with them. Because one day, we will be free from sin. Praise be to God. Jesus' work on the cross was not only effective to the justification of our sins in God's eyes, and, but to our sanctification, which we were speaking of, be purified. This is what we call glorification. That God will not only wipe away every single tear, but that he will purify us from every sin and we will no longer struggle with temptations of sin, nor shall we fall into sin. And this purity will enable us and allow us to enter into his presence and see him face to face. In fact, in the book of Revelation, if you guys would turn with me to chapter 22, we get to see a vision here that is a promise for us as Christians. Starting in verse 1, Then he showed me the river of the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the city's main street. The tree of life was on each side of the river, bearing 12 kinds of fruit. We are for healing the nations, and there will no longer be any curse. Speaking of sin, the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. Let me read that again. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. Night will be no more. People will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, because the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. Brothers and sisters, soon we will leave this earth to join God in heaven. And what a blessed day that will be to see God face to face. Lord, hasten the day that we might see your face. Let's pray.